0: We will head out that way. So this morning, we're going to look at the third uh, session in uh, in this, this book. Again, for our guests that are here, we're doing something different that uh, I haven't done before, but we're taking a book uh, that was written um, by a man named Dr. Tom Rayner. Dr. Rayner's a Southern Baptist. Uh, he's been a pastor. He's been a seminary professor. Uh, he, he right now he he leads out of ministry just to help churches uh, to kind of be revitalized and come in alive. And I've I've mentioned to you how important it is that that happens because the you know the oldest generation of adults in our church uh, over three quarters of them are or were. Christians, the youngest adult generation in our church—millennials born between the early nineteen eighties and early two thousands—less than fifteen percent of that generation are Christians. And uh, just just how imperative it is that we take the word of God and we are serious about what it means to be the body of Christ. Because one hundred and fifty years from now, our our my children's grandkids they they might not have a church like we see it in this landscape in our country today, unless something happens, unless something changes. There was an article uh, this week uh, in a couple of newspapers I read on the website, and, and it was just, I've heard this before, but it was just like everyone was surprised to hear it, but the, the nation where the church is growing the most rapidly, there's the most number of people coming to faith in Christ and serving Him is in the nation of Iran. Think about that. Go back and look it up this week. Look it up on different websites. The church in Iran. Is, is exploding right now. People are leaving the, the Islamic faith in droves and they're turning to Christ. I think that's great. But at the same time, it, it saddens my heart because I wish that our nation was the one that was growing the fastest. And here in a few hundred years, it might be of Jesus' tarries because our, our, our culture and our nation will change so much, it'll become just as oppressive and just as dark as that hateful regime in Iran has been for, for 40 years. I hope that doesn't happen here. Uh, I, but I, that's why I've grown cynical about politics. I Guys, I, I, think, I think we just have to, we have to, we have to you know, call up the special forces in Christianity and be focused on sharing the gospel and the Christians God's called us to be. I, I'm not going to invest all of my energy and, and, I, and, 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 and time and, and worrying and thinking about the politics of our nation. Because it's just such a mess. But I want to focus on God's word. I want to focus on being the church of Jesus Christ. And I want to focus on being the member of God's church. Uh, and that's what this series is about. Because it's an alarm bell that, that needs to be raised. Um, you know, it, it's, it's really, uh, it would be a lot more dangerous for me as a pastor. To share these messages and maybe the state that our church was in about five or six years ago. It's, it's a little bit safer now for me because of how, what God's done here, um, but it's just, it's just imperative that we look at this study. So we have three more weeks after this, and then we're going to turn to start looking at the Old Testament patriarchs, and I'm excited about going there, but I hope you've, you've gotten something out of this study. But this morning, uh, the topic is uh, that I will, be, I will not let uh, my church be about my preferences and desires. We've looked at uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to be a member of, of the church, to be a church member. We see it's biblical in, in 1 Corinthians 12. Paul refers to being a member of the body, but we have to be functioning as a, as a member in the body of Christ. Uh, and then last week we looked at to be a, a member of the body of Christ means we are focused on unity and not being divided and trying to identify the things that divide us. And coming together, I I came up with a little with a with a pithy statement. I tried to make this statement that would uh, encapsulate the last two weeks and this week. It says, "I am a church member who will be a functioning member in the body of Christ, and I will pursue unity above my own preferences and desires." And I just want you to think about what it means to be a, a part of the church. Because here, here's the other thing: um, if, if the church is uh, is what paul describes it as in 1 corinthians chapter 12 i mean paul had this radical encounter with jesus on the road to damascus he was a persecutor of the church he met jesus and it radically transformed that man's life and he became committed to being in the dark uh we lost we lost something let's see if we can get it back or we'll just roll with hey there we go yeah okay that's better uh but but, but but Paul, whenever he encountered Jesus, man, it just radically transformed him. And, and, and through the, the revelation of the Holy Spirit in Paul's life, he wrote the majority of the New Testament. And he describes the church as the body of Christ. And here's what I want you to think about, though. Because all those, you know, there's kind of in apologetics, kind of some reasoning about, you know, are the claims of Christianity, the cr- claims in the gospel true and accurate? And there's a statement that I heard said one time. Because we believe that um, those apostles or, uh, you know, 11 of the 12 disciples, uh, you, know, you know, because Judas didn't make it because of his betrayal of Jesus and he was replaced later on. But all of those early leaders, history tells us that they died for their faith. Okay, except for uh, perhaps John, um, you, know, he, you know, he wrote the book of Revelation. Perhaps he's the only one that didn't die for his faith. But they all, history describes horrible deaths that they died. Jesus said that they would. He, he, he talked about that. And so either uh, these men, um, you know, had to be dying for, for, the, for the literal resurrection that they saw. They had to die because of the miracles they experienced and the truth that Jesus said. They, they had to really believe it and experience it or they all had to be just lunatics, right? To lay their life down, to, to, to be martyrs for the faith. I mean, they died for the cause of Christ. And here's what I want you to think this morning. Are we the type of church and are you the the type of committed church member that you would be willing to die for this church? Most of us would not be willing to die for this organization. or this. And I'm not talking about the organization of the building. But really, what we do here, what we focus here, how we express the gospel here, how we worship here, how we reach people here, how we disciple people here. Is that something I'm willing to sacrifice for? Because if that's the church that we're supposed to be and we're not there, man... We've got to get there. We've got to be that church. And, and it, it's a radical thing when you think about what it means to be a member of the body of Christ. I'm, I'm gonna, I've been sharing these, these larger uh, pledges that Rainer asks the church members to make. I've been sharing at the end of the sermon, but I'm going to throw it on the front end. He's asking us to make this pledge this morning. He says, I am a church member. I will not, not let my, my church be about my preferences and, and desires. That is self-serving. I am a member in the church to serve others and to serve Christ. My Savior went to a cross for me. I can deal with uh, inconveniences and matters that aren't my preference or style. I mean, Rainer is talking about issues that he's seen in churches across the land that are dying. And he just, he just sees the things they get hung up on. Many of us have some of those experiences. Maybe they're here or maybe you've seen them elsewhere. But, but the, the solution is about, is not just to leave the church, okay? Because, because all these hypocrites. The solution is you be the answer to the problems that you've witnessed in the church. You be committed to the cause of Christ here. And if we all make that decision together, we're going to see a transformative church that's going to continue to do amazing things in history. So, uh, we're going to look at this week what it means to be that type of church. We're going to look at some scripture. Um, the, the first text we'll look at here in a second is Mark chapter 9, verse 35. But um, I want to start off by talking about the first time I spanked my son. And be careful. If you're just if you're just like, whoa, he... The, Preacher beats his kid. Why do I ever beat you? He just shook his head. Okay, so depends on that definition of beating, right? I just want to tell you, I spank my kids. Okay, uh, they got a lot more spankings than when they were younger. The older they've got, they don't get as many spankings anymore. Um, I believe what Scripture says: spare um, the child, not the rod. And I think it's biblical to, to, to discipline. Um, you know, the right way. That's, that parents have to be obedient to God's word to make that decision, but I made that decision. We spank our kids. Um, also, just so you know, I asked the 60 kids that were in our junior high ministry Wednesday night, how many of them have gotten spankings, and about 90% of them raised their hand. And I said, put your hand down. How many of you deserve those spankings you get? They all felt like they deserved it, okay? So, um, But I remember the first time I spanked Wyatt. I don't remember the first time I spanked the other kids. I, I just don't. Sorry, Emily, you missed out on that. But uh, probably just because of, you know, it was a big thing. You're out right, as a new parent. But I remember, uh, he, Wyatt was not very old, okay? He was pretty young. I don't remember exactly the age he was. But I remember he was sitting on the floor playing, and he was doing something. And we told him not to do something. And he looked at me with his act of defiance and said no and threw something. And right then and there, boom, he earned that discipline right then and there. Because uh, I mean, we know that, that children children can be selfish and demanding. You all agree with that? I didn't teach them that, okay? I had to teach them how to not be selfish and demanding. But do you also agree that adults can be selfish and demanding? That you can be selfish and demanding? Um, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands about that, okay? And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if God's ever spanked you for that. I think we would all probably raise our hand and say, yes, we all deserved it. Uh, but guys, we know that church members can also behave in the same way. And and, and the primary point of this text is pointing to the, to, the, to the direction of Scripture that screams about the attitudes that we should have as being a part of the body of Christ. I think that it's not a far stretch. So we need to have this attitude... In every part of our lives, in our homes, but especially in this church, uh, we're going to look at Mark chapter 9, verse 35. Sitting down, he called the twelve and said to them, If anyone wants to be first, he must be last and servant of all. As, there was an argument that happened between the disciples, and uh, they were arguing about who was going to be first in this kingdom. Number one, they didn't understand that the exact context of the kingdom that Jesus was going to reign over. They thought it was going to be this literal kingdom set up in Jerusalem. Kick the Romans out. They were all shocked and dismayed when that didn't happen. Um, but Jesus says, if you want to be first in my kingdom, you will be last and you will be a servant to everybody. Uh, and, and guys, that, that, that is the truth of God's word. You know, it, it doesn't mean that we are supposed to just be codependent uh, on serving people. Uh, you know, it, it, we don't worship serving. We worship Jesus. That's why we do serve. But it does mean we are codependent in a relationship with God, that we have got to be committed to serving him in all things. And there's things in our lives, there's attitudes in our lives that need to be done away with to enable us to have the right mindset on how to serve our king on this earth. Now, the first point that I want to make today is we look at text. If the text, it has to do with this, this, this verse of scripture right here, is the picture of what it means to be a servant, you, you cannot walk into Christianity and follow Christ as we claim to, to want heaven and salvation. We cannot do that if we do not have the perspective that we are servants in all things to God and servants to other people. The word servant occurs 57 times in the New Testament. The word serve occurs 58 times. Jesus makes it clear here in Mark chapter 9, verse 35. Again, Paul says the same thing in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you have to understand that you are not here to be served, you are here to serve other people and to serve Christ. I know that there are many needs that arise in the church. I know, because I, 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 my job is to help manage them. And sometimes we do that well, sometimes we don't do that well, and we're always trying to change up our organization. We have lay pastors now to meet. We're going to focus in our deacon ministry, get committed. There's all these things we're trying to do, to do all these, because really, all ministry is, as far as the definition I have, ministry is meeting people's needs with love, okay? The ultimate need anybody has is a relationship with Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. The only way we function as a church, the way God wants us to, to, be, to have the optimal health, to be the optimal functioning body, is that if we all have that mindset, instead of us sitting back waiting to be recipients of this ministry. We are this ministry, guys. And we have to understand that we have got to all contribute. It's been cool to see some of you that I've gotten to know. You've been reading the book, I Am a Church Member. You've been listening to these sermons. And all of a sudden, you're just like, whoa, wow, I know what I need to be doing here. How, how, how can I, and I, it's, it's, I'm glad you're responding. Because I, I just want you to have that mindset. You have to be a servant. You have to be a servant. Now, I'm going to point out a, something here that uh, I, I debated about doing it or not. Because it, it could hit close to home to who we were A few years back, before I came, but this is in the study that Rainer presents. Uh, And one thing about Dr. Rainer that that you'll learn if you really read some of his books, you listen to some of the stuff he's written, he is committed. He's he's an academic, and he does a lot of research. He really just makes makes a big deal about people that say, "Well, you know, the statistics show or surveys show." He's like, "What do they show? What you know? What what's their focus group? You know?" And pointed it out. But he does a lot of statistical analysis. And, and he, he's focused on the local church and the state that it's in. And so he, uh, he, he, does, he did this, uh, this study, if I can get the, the clicker to work, a, a survey uh, of dominant characteristics of churches that are inwardly focused, okay? Um, now, so what I want us to do as we go through these and talk through these, I want you to consider, uh, number one, do we have this in our church? But number two... Do you have this in you, okay? Before you sit back and say, yeah, I always knew something was wrong with that church. No, 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 it's not, not the way it works, okay? You should sit back and say, I always knew there was something wrong with me and how I viewed the church and my place in it. That's, that's where I think God wants us to be this morning. Um, but f- first, let's take this. He says, uh, the, this is a, a survey of dominant characteristics of a church uh, that were inwardly focused. The first thing was in the, in the study we had this morning. It highlighted this worship wars. Churches that are in conflict about the style of music that they have. I'm going to just start off by saying this. I know there are some of you, because you've told me or you've told one of our pastors or our deacons, I know some of us do not like the change in the music here. The change has it's been, it's been drastic over the last four years. You haven't been a fan of it. it, hasn't, it ha, it's, not, it's not the genre that you want. Um, but I want you to know, that a lot of care and attention goes into, number one, choosing these songs and being intentional about the genre and how we play this music well. But here's the thing. This, this is not hard for me at all. Because I know, I know, Lord willing, I hope and pray that I face the same struggle in about 30 or 40 years as the music is going to change again. But here's what I know. In the 2nd century A.D., whenever the church began to explode like it is in Iran, I know as, they, as the Christians had to hide in the catacombs, in those tombs under Rome, where they have all these, these Christian pictographs because everyone was mostly illiterate, the slave class, and they were having to tell the story of, of Jonah in the well and Jesus feeding the 5,000 by drawing pictures and explaining it up on the walls. You can see those today. I know as they gathered there, and we have examples of some of their worship, that they were not reading out of a hymnal, and they weren't singing in a choir. I know they weren't. They're, they're, the way they worship was drastically different than what maybe we long for. But, guys, we have got to be a church that is reaching the generations for the gospel. And, and we're, we're, we always want to be mindful of, of, of including everyone in our worship. And maybe we can do a better job. I can admit, maybe I, I know I can do a lot of things better. Okay? But our mindset is not being irritated or perturbed about things that have changed. Our attitude is about setting those things aside and focused on what the church should be focused about and not my preferences. Uh, Another thing is prolonged minutia meetings. Um, I don't think we have a lot of those happening here, but sometimes that happens in churches. This church used to have 13 committees, which was the the common thing in a lot of Baptist churches, a lot of committees. We now have committees and we now have ministry teams. And we probably need to meet a little bit more to be a little bit more organized and focused, but those things have changed. Uh, Facility-focused, uh, program-driven, or an inwardly focused budget. And again, this is what Rainer is saying about Churches statistically, these are the characteristics they have when they're inwardly focused, they're, they're worried about their own preferences and desires instead of worried about reaching out and reaching a lost generation. Um, as, as I was studying this and I was preparing for this sermon, I, I remember a conversation I had very recently with one of our lay pastors, Pastor Eddie. I asked his permission to share this. Um, because when I came to the church, there was a very, you know, the budget was not what it is today. It was a lot smaller, and there was a very small amount of money set aside for missions and benevolence. It was very small. And I came in December at the end of our budget year. Now the end of the budget year is August, but I remember not a penny of it had been touched. I thought, man, we got to change that. I, I want to be a church that, that tithes off of the money. And like All the money that comes in the offering plate, we automatically give a percentage of it away to missions. And I was talking to to, uh, Pastor Eddie, and he said, about 10 years ago, the church began to struggle financially. And one of the first things the the church cut in the budget was the cooperative giving. We cut it out. Because we had to keep everything else afloat and everything else going. And it's taken nearly 10 years to get back to that. And and, and guys, I I, want to celebrate today in the business meeting where we're at, and we're trying to get back to that point. Um, but they become interly focused with their budget. Uh, there's inordinate demands for pastoral care. Everyone wants the pastor to be coming to them, serving them, talking to them, meeting them. Instead of the reverse taking place, we need to be going out, reaching, Pastor, how can I serve you, Pastor? How can I be a part of what we're doing here? That, that, that transition needs to happen. Uh, there's attitudes of entitlement, greater concern over change rather than the gospel. Anger and hostility, evangelistic apathy. That those are symptoms of. of I'm going to tell you the majority of the churches in our land today. I mean, isn't that? That's why the church is exploding in Iran and shrinking quickly in America. Guys, we have not. We cannot be that type of church. Uh, but there's good news. There's good. I don't, I don't believe this, that's where this church is at. But what is the answer to, to these symptoms? What is the answer to these struggles? I want you to turn in your Bibles. I think I have it up here. To Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 7. Philippians 2, 5 to 7. Uh, th- this is a, a great picture of uh, what we as church members need to adopt And it begins by saying that in in Ephesians chapter 2. Follow along in your own text or up on the big screen. It says, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form uh, of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. and And when he had come as a man... He humbled himself by coming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The first thing I want you to think about when you look at this text, it starts off, it says, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. That word in the Greek, adopt, it, it, bas- it, it literally means to put this on, put it, put it on. Um, you know, as far as adoption meant, you know, you, your name, your identity was separate. But if you were adopted into a family, you literally became a part of that family. You're now an heir. You're now uh, a possessor of, of, of those, uh, of the name, of the resources, of the assets. You, you, you have to put it on. You literally have to take this off and put this on. And it's no wonder sometimes that church members don't have the right attitude. Okay, because I, I think sometimes, uh, maybe in different times in history, I know I've been guilt-given in the way I've, I've, I've practiced my faith in leading. And sometimes, you know, we just want to focus on, you know, heaven and salvation. But we don't talk about teaching them all that I've commanded you. But here, here's the fact of the matter. We have to take off who we are if we're going to follow Christ. And we have to put something on. We're commanded in Scripture to die to ourselves and be resurrected up by His Spirit and by His Word to be the people that God has called us to be. We have got to take on that identity. So when it says, whenever it says to, to adopt this attitude, it means that you're taking something off and putting on Christ, putting on what He wants you to be. Also look at this text. It says, adopt this same attitude as that of Christ Jesus who existed in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. I love how it it uses that word exploited. Because we know that, that God, you know, Jesus was fully God and fully man, and he had all the resources at his disposal that God has. We know because we saw Jesus display them in the miracles. I don't know if you believe in the miracles or not. I do. I don't want to put my faith in Christ for salvation. I put my faith in everything in God's word. And he had all that, and, and, and he, he, he would at times exploit um, you know, his power to, to do these miraculous things. But, but it, says here, it says here in the text specifically that um, he did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. We are created in the image and likeness of God. We, we have a mind, okay? Uh, we have an appetite. We have desires. And sometimes that appetite and those desires and the things that we want, we know good and well are not in line with what God wants. And we have to make the decision that we are not going to exploit that. I mean, come on, you can act like a big baby anytime you want to. No one's going to round you up and haul you off to big adult baby jail, unless it's bad enough, and then they will take you to jail. But by and large, in the church, okay, you can do whatever you want to do, especially as Baptists, okay? Everyone, if you're a member of the church, you can go do and say whatever you want to do in this business, but in a little bit. In fact, y'all could rise up and fire me today. Did you know that? I hope that you don't, but you can, okay? But we have to choose not to exploit that to set that aside, set set these aside, to have have the same attitude and to have the same mind as Christ. The last point I want to make from this text, there's a lot to be said in verse 7. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of of humanity And when he uh, he had come as a man. But that word, it says that he, he, he emptied himself. By assuming the form of a servant, I mean he emptied himself. Literally, he emptied himself of these, uh, you know, of the right to to exercise the, 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 these these not godlike but god powers and 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 and, and you know the, the ability and the, and the 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 literal worthiness to be worshipped and to be bowed down to at all times because of who he was and what he was doing. I mean, he emptied himself of all that, and he became a servant. The word there in the text. Uh, for uh, for servant is the word doulos it's the same word that's used other places in the scripture as slave now do you have a different attitude whenever i say we're supposed to be a, a servant of christ versus being a slave of christ or a servant of god versus a, a slave of a slave of god Do you have a different mentality of it you know, we kind of have the idea that, you know, it's something that we willingly do and we're the servant. Whenever you, when you say slave, it makes like, you know, someone is just like going to force you to do something, right? But but I want you to know the expectation that God has. If you have tried to yourself, accepted his forgiveness, and you want to exploit all that, that, that comes with salvation and heaven and the gift of the Spirit and all those things, God expects us to serve him. God expects us to be his children. God expects us to have this attitude. God expects us to give up this right. He said to take up your cross and daily follow me. It it wasn't as though if you feel like it, if it's okay with you today, you know, serve. No, he says, no, you had to take up your cross. There's not a decision to be made. There was one decision that you made to follow Jesus. Every other decision doesn't matter anymore unless it's yes, God. Yes, God. Okay, God, I'll surrender, God. Okay, Lord, thank you for the discipline. Give me more discipline, God. Correct my attitude. Make me have the mind of Christ. And hopefully the rest of us leaders, pastors, deacons, ministry team leaders, committee members, hopefully, I hope, we all have that same attitude. And when we do, that's when fire catches I asked you at the beginning of this sermon, do you view church membership as something worth dying for? Do you? And if the answer is no, I, I don't have that, I, I don't view that, um, maybe it's because we as a church don't have the mind of Christ. Maybe, maybe us leaders don't, or aren't leading and doing it the right way. Maybe we need to fix that, leaders. Or maybe, just maybe, we have the wrong attitude about what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. And I want you to just have, do business with God and check that attitude. If I've spoken anything the last three weeks that are outside of the, the, the bounds of Scripture, point it out to me. I don't want to step on anybody's toes personally. I don't want to offend you what it means to be a part of the body of Christ, but I want all of it. I want to see the full expression of God's power. So the the challenge, the pledge that Rainer asks us to make is this. I am a church member. I will not not let my church be about my preferences and desires that is self-serving. I am a member in this church to serve others and to serve Christ. My Savior went to a cross for me. I can deal with inconveniences and matters that aren't my preference or style. Would you pray with me? Father God, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you, Father, for emptying yourself so completely. Lord, for being the the model that you were. And Lord, to express, Lord, your humility as God your humility before men so thoroughly and so completely that two millennia later we are still singing about it and talking about it and sharing it. But, Father, we know it's because you were and are God, Lord Jesus. Thank you for bringing salvation to my life. And, Lord God, I just want to ask that you will continue to bring life to this church as we proclaim the gospel but, Lord God, I pray that you would also, Lord, bring maturity as we grow in our faith. Father, there are, there, are, there are mighty things before the congregation of the First Baptist Church of Mason. But, Father, none of them will ever be close to being accomplished until we, as your children, as the people on the earth here in Mason, Texas, the people on the earth of God that serve you, Father, will humble ourselves and take on this mind, this mindset that you've given us. But Father, I want to ask right now if there are people in this this church, in in this gathering this morning that do not have a relationship with you, that that, that have never come to the place in their life where they have to say, you know what, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I've never really surrendered myself and my will to you. I know I need to surrender. If there's people here, Lord God, that are far from you and do not have a relationship, God, I invite them to respond this morning. There's an invitation from God to you this morning. If you want to have a relationship with King Jesus, if you want to learn what it means to die to yourself and receive eternal life, it's here waiting on you. If there are Christians that are here this morning... And they say, you know what? I want to be a part of this church. I want to become a fully functioning member of this church. It will be united, a uniting church member. and will be somebody that will be committed to not living for my own desires or interests, but wanting to serve others and serve Christ. If there's folks that want to join the church today, Lord, to, to be a part of it, would you call them out? But no matter what it is, God, Lord, if we, Lord, need to hear from you and to respond to your spirit, would you lead us to do it now? But, Lord, God... Let us all make a decision this morning to be the type of church, to be the type of expression of your body on this earth that's worth dying for. Brother John's going to lead us in, in a song. And if God has called you to respond, don't respond to this preacher. But if God wants you to respond to join the church, to talk about what it means to completely surrender to yourself, would you please respond this morning in the invitation? The invitation is just that you come down here and do business with God maybe by talking with me or praying at the altar whatever it is you respond to God this morning let's stand on our feet and respond as Brother John
1: leads us on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross the emblem of suffering and shame and a love old cross where the dearest and best For a world of lost sinners was slain So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Oh, the old rugged cross, so despised by the world, has a wondrous attraction. Lamb of God Left his glory above To bear it to dark Calvary So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies As at last I lay down, I will cling to the old rugged cross, and exchange it someday for a crown. So divine, a wondrous beauty I see. For it was on that old cross Jesus suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me. So cherish, so I'll cherish
0: Father, I just want to say thank you, Lord, for, Lord, leading us this morning. Lord, through, Lord, our, our worship pastor, Father God. Lord, through our connection groups. Lord, through our children's ministry. Father, for your presence being there, and, and, Lord, I just ask God that, Lord, as we leave this place to go to a business meeting and then we later live, leave to go to our, Lord, our, our community, Father, our homes. Lord, that, Lord, we would adopt the mind of Christ in that attitude, Father, wherever we go, Father. and. Lord, when people look at us, Father, they won't wonder what church we're a part of, Lord. They might see there's something radically different there. And we can tell them it's because you're meeting Jesus. Lord, let us have that attitude. We love you and pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, you may be seated. I want to just introduce uh, someone to you real quick. Um, uh, Norma, come on up here with me. This is Norma Velez. Some of you have met and know Norma. Uh, Norma um, has uh, become very close with uh, my wife and and with myself, and uh, she she's been coming to Life Connection Group whenever she can. She works as a nurse in Fredericksburg, so sometimes she can't be here. But she was uh, you know reading the book. I'm a church member coming to Life Connection Group, and uh, she's talking to Rachel about it. And she said, "Oh my gosh, I need to be a functioning member. How do I do that?" And she said, "I need to I need to come up there and help with this and that." And Rachel said, "Rachel, wait a minute, Norma, you." you ought to join the church first. She's like, oh, I haven't joined the church? <laughs> and uh, I was like, and Rachel said no. And uh, so they started talking about it. Norma said, well, I'm going to be a part of this church. And so uh, she's coming uh, by, by statement. Uh, she, she was uh, is baptized as a believer uh, in Christ a, a while back in the church, but this morning she's going to come, and she wants to become a part of our, of our fellowship. So I'm very thankful to have Norma here with me this morning. So. <clears throat> So Norman and I are going to walk back there, and Brother John will lead us out in song, and then we're dismissed. I ask you to to hang around and then go to the fellowship hall for a little bit for a business meeting. Uh, But it's been awesome to worship this morning. Brother John.